everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for our first podcast of the season, Living Leadership Season 2. We are back, and we're so excited to be back. Um, and for those of you who might be new here, my name is Emily Clay, and I am the webinar and podcast producer here in the School of Leadership Studies. And this season, we are focusing on building better communities. And we have live webinars with these follow-up podcast episodes, and each of them will focus on topics surrounding how to build better communities. And the webinars will really focus more heavily on that top on each of our topics in relation to workplace environments. And during this time, during the podcast, we will likely touch on things from the webinar portion, but we'll also be focusing more on how each topic is applied outside of the workplace in our personal communities, with our friends and family, within yourself, etc. So I'm so excited to be joined this year by my colleague and friend, Kelsey Solberg, who is co-hosting this season with me. And Kelsey is the Director of Professional and Community Education here in the School of Leadership Studies. So hi, Kelsey. Hello. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. <laughs> um, so maybe you can just tell us a little bit more about what exactly it is that you do in your role. Yes. Uh, yeah. So the... Um... Office of Professional and Community Education is new. So we'll turn one in December. So we're still kind of in our, our infant years, but um, really what we do is offer leadership development opportunities at like the individual level, organizational level, and then the community level. So we really try to hit it in multiple spaces um, and we do everything customized. So we, we offer coaching, we offer leadership consulting within organizations. We do programs and certificates. Um, so it really kind of runs the gamut. And a lot of our vision really is to bring a lot of the good work that's happening in leadership education within higher ed, within that space and bring it into the community. So how can we kind of increase the impact of leadership education in some spaces where it really can, um, can apply. So that's a little bit about what we do. And I'm so excited to co-host. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Well, clearly, as you can tell, she's a perfect fit for the conversations that we're going to be having throughout this season. Um, and before I continue blabbing on, I want to take a second to pause and thank all of our sponsors of this year's series. We have two platinum presenting sponsors, Integris Architecture and STCU, and our two bronze sponsors, Canopy Credit Union and Stevens Clay Law Firm. So we could not do this without them, and we are so, so thankful for their support of our series. And it also allows us the opportunity to offer the webinars and podcasts free of charge to our community and to recruit all of these amazing presenters to be with us. And it's a real testament to each of those organizations that they're willing to invest back into our community in that way. So thank you once again to all our lovely sponsors. Okay, so let's get started. Today we're going to be talking about conflict resolution and working through difficult conversations. And we're joined by our two guests today, Kamisha Little and Tiffany Harms, who I will introduce shortly. Um, they just had a fabulous conversation during our live webinar where they talked about this topic in a workplace setting and how to deal with conflict in the workplace, how to have difficult conversations with coworkers, with bosses, all of those types of things. And you can find the recording for the webinar on our website, on Zega edu slash webinars if you're interested in that. Um, but we can't wait to use this time to follow up on some of the things that they touched on in the webinar, but also talk about how conflict resolution and how to deal with difficult conversations outside of the workplace. We're going to talk about how that plays out in relationships and with other things you may be involved in. Um, so that's kind of the lens we're taking on for this conversation. And before I go any, for any further, I want to introduce our guests. So Kamisha Little serves 
Access Lex Institute as the National Director for the Helix Bar Review Engagement Team. Access Lex Institute is a nonprofit organization committed to helping talented, purpose-driven students find their path from aspiring lawyers to fulfilled professionals. Kamisha has dedicated her career to supporting students and helping them achieve their goals of becoming licensed engagement team by way of Gonzaga School of Law, where she served as Assistant Dean of Students, Director of Academic Support and Bar Programming, and Adjunct Professor. Before joining Gonzaga, she served as the Assistant Director of Academic Support and Bar Services for, at Texas A&M School of Law. She received her JD from Texas A&M and is licensed to practice law in Texas. While she currently lives in Spokane, Kamisha is originally from Texas and loves to go back to visit family and friends a few times a year. She has recently found joy in roller skating, playing board games, acrylic painting, listening to podcasts, and spending time with her husband. And Kamisha will be co-presenting today with Tiffany Harms, who is the founder and owner of Juno Collaborative, a consulting agency that holistically equips leaders and organizations with the tools and support that they need to thrive. Prior to starting her own firm, Tiffany served as the Vice President of Organizational Development for Planned Parenthood of Greater Washington and Idaho, where she oversaw HR, training, employee experience, leadership development, and recruitment. And in her five years as an executive, she designed and implemented targeted interventions that resulted in Planned Parenthood Washington and Idaho becoming the third highest ranking Planned Parenthood affiliate in the country out of 52 for employee engagement. In other professional lives, Tiffany has been a journalist, managed a successful state senatorial campaign in Idaho, and ran community outreach and marketing for the region's oldest and most successful food cooperative. Tiffany is passionate about teachers, about teaching leaders to, to use proven trauma-informed strategies to best support their staff and clients. Her approach is rooted in personal values of integrity, equity, and community, and she seeks to reduce barriers to professional development by offering services on a sliding scale for organizations and individuals. She lives in her in Spokane with her husband, Paul, while they are proud parents of two pups and excited soon to be parents of a new baby who will be arriving in early spring. So excited to welcome you two back and to have this follow-up conversation with you. We have a lot to get to, but I want to start off by saying that conflict resolution and working through difficult conversations can be a touchy subject. And obviously the conversations that create conflict are often touchy subjects as well. And today we are here to deal with conflict in a productive way and learn how to deal with it in a way that is respectful to all parties. And I also want to note that the word conflict obviously has a pretty negative connotation, but having conflict in relationships and being able to deal with it is actually a really healthy thing. And it just means that you're expressing your needs and that's a good thing. So we're gonna talk more about that today as well. Um, I feel like how people deal with conflict is commonly, not always, but pretty commonly a direct reflection of how they grew up and how they were raised and what type of environments they've been a part of throughout their whole life. So I think we all need to take it upon ourselves to be aware of that and to be aware of our communication styles and just always be motivated to communicate better with the people around us. And I'm sure some of the people listening today have already done that or have started to. Maybe some of you haven't, but it is definitely something that you'll always have to continue working on. I think it's one of those things that nobody ever has perfected. So if you're listening to this, no matter where you might be in that journey, you're definitely on the right track because you're putting in some sort of effort to make better habits surrounding conflict. So I wanna start off with somewhat of a difficult question. 
Um, but how do you think, Kamisha and Tiffany, how do you think your life experiences up to this point have impacted the way that you handle conflict today? Tiffany, why don't you start us off? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, let's crack it open. So I mentioned during the webinar that um, I did not come to this skill set naturally. Um, it's something that I had to very intentionally develop, um, which I think has its you know pros and cons. Um, I definitely relate to kind of what I talked about before, which is that I think home environments and workplace environments can be very um, powerful programming spaces for us in terms of conflict. And um, for folks that, um, you know, maybe had a workplace where um, making a mistake was shamed or punished that can carry over. Um, or you grew up in an environment where maybe you weren't able to assert your needs or you never saw conflict modeled in a healthy way um, that can impact things. And I personally relate to both of those. Um, I think, you know, growing up, I saw conflict either be like a big, a big event <laughs> that was like, oh, adults are mad. This is kind of scary. Um, or it was something that was just kind of pushed away and we kind of distance ourselves from, there wasn't a lot of reflection about like, okay, here's what happened. Let's talk about it. Um, so I think obviously having those kind of core experiences, I didn't really have a sense of like, can conflict be good? It always felt threatening or kind of like this bad thing. Yeah. And then I think, you know, I've had some really incredible workplaces and I've had some where, um, you know, the mistake thing is absolutely a, an example I relate to. It's like, everybody's going to make a mistake at some point. And, you know, when you have an opportunity for, for somebody to really learn from something and have it be a time of like, we tried that and it didn't work <laughs> and, and let's kind of fix it and iterate into something else, um, that can be really productive. But I think like many people, I also experience kind of the negative side where, um, those, you know, weren't always handled great. So you carry that into the next experience with conflict. And again, it can make yeah. it feel more threatening. So it was, a, um, I think getting where I am now is a very intentional journey and a lot of hard work, but I think it's also very, exciting and empowering that our brains are plastic. We can change how we're wired and how we respond to things throughout our entire life and, and how we respond to conflict and um, how we perceive conflict falls in that space. Absolutely. Um, just like so many other things. So that's my take. Kamisha, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, for me, um, I think especially thinking about kind of my personal experiences that have built me to this space. Um, I mentioned earlier as well in the webinar that I am the oldest sibling of a family with four children in it. And I didn't mention earlier, I don't remember at least that we were all, we are all women. And so we were in a household with all girls and my dad and my mom growing up. So there was lots of conflict all the time. <laughs> <laughs> in all different types of ways. And um, I think that my personal experience, I've seen a, the at least my childhood, right? I saw a broad gamut. So like you, Tiffany, I saw, you know, sometimes the big conflict that felt weird and scary. I felt, I saw a lot of the 
we're just not dealing with this and it just kind of went away type thing. But I also had some moments in my family, it was really intentional to have some moments that I think were really healthy and cathartic too. Um, you know, my dad's favorite times that we usually dreaded was calling a family meeting, you know, and talking to <laughs> through some things. And um, so I, I got exposed to a lot of different things growing up and, uh, and then that continued into my personal life. I married, which I would say young, I don't know, there's no judgment here. So whenever people get married, do what you do. Um, but <laughs> when I got married, but I was engaged at 22, um, and so very early on, even in my relationship with my husband, you know, we experienced a lot of different things about figuring out how we both deal with conflict, and we saw very early on that we had different experiences, and, you know, we were trying to be really intentional about how we moved through that, so I would say just, you know, various life experiences have fueled where I'm at now on this journey. And I love the way you put that earlier, Emily. It's certainly a journey. I think in a lot of ways I bumbled through and kind of looked up and went, oh, wow, I've done a lot in this space, <laughs> you know, and I'm just a lover of learning and lover of life. So I've always kind of leaned into learning about various experiences in life. And this one has been one that just kind of rises to the top based on my career experiences, both in law and in social work. So that's, that's kind of how I've gotten to this space now. Well, thank you both so much for sharing that. I mean, I think both of you are a testament just to how different we have all, you know, different experiences that we've all had that have brought us to what point we are at today and how we even deal with conflict today. Um, so one thing I kind of want to start to talk about is there a lot of us, I think, have had really tough conversations with friends or family in the past. I think especially throughout the last few years, there's just been a lot going on. And like we have been given a lot more opportunities to have tough conversations, I think. And so I think that that's something that people have had to deal with a lot more in the past few years than we might be used to. Um, and so I want to talk about unresolved arguments how to, I think, you know, Tiffany, you kind of talked about this in one of the stories you told during the webinar, but how do you restart conversations in a healthier way? I think a lot of people have had a really scary conflict argument conversation with like a mom or a dad or an aunt and uncle or a sister. And then it's kind of like swept under the rug. It's like, okay, well, we have different views. We're not going to bring that up again. Like, that's not something that I want to talk to you about ever again, because that was a horrible conversation. And maybe, you know, at some point, conflict can cause more harm than good. But I just want both of your views on what's a good way to restart conversation and what could maybe be a point that it's like it might cause more harm than good to even bring it up again. What if there's no compromise or understanding? And at what point do you kind of just decide to walk away? Um, so I'd love to know your thoughts. Yeah, I'm happy to jump into that one first. For me, a lot of times, particularly in my personal life, it's intuition that I'm moving on about when I let something rest and when I continue to lean into it. You know, I can think of a couple of situations where, you know, with I'll just use this one because this is an age old. I was the oldest girl. So my dad was really sad when it was time for me to get married and move <laughs> on, uh, have my own family, that type of thing. And um, we had lots of conversations. And I remember one particular one that my just 
spirit would not let me rest because of ended in, you know, the prior conversation ended like a really big kind of to do. And, and I just didn't, I felt unsettled. So when I moved in that way, I'm like, I know I need to go back and try to resolve this again. Um, and we need to just, you know, start. And I usually leave with authenticity in those spaces. Like this is how I'm feeling, right? I'm feeling unsettled in this way. And I want to know how you're feeling and let's continue this conversation now that we have, you know, had a breather. So for me, it's a lot of that. And there are times too, when I'm like, I've moved on and we need to just let that go uh, because continuing will be picking at something like a, you know, a, a deep sore wound and, and it's not necessary in this situation because the issue has passed or we're moved on to a better place. So I try to listen to that now. That doesn't always serve me right, but in most cases, it has been a pretty good guide um, with most of my relationships, but I'll keep living and let you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Tiffany, I'm I'm curious about that story you shared earlier. If there's other situations like that, yeah, I relate to what you said um, a lot. I also with personal situations, but I think this actually can translate to a work context too. If you just lead with that authenticity about like, hey, I'm I am feeling um, really uneasy with how we left things, and and I want to see what we can talk about to kind of get us to a different place. Cause this doesn't feel right. Um, I think that what that's doing is a couple of things. It's, it's being really clear and authentic to the person about what you're hoping to achieve, but it's also really grounding you in connection and empathy with the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are two feelings that I think are incredibly powerful in conflict management. I think, um, Ultimately, people want to be, want to know that they've been seen and heard and validated by others. And even if you disagree with somebody, you can empathize with their struggle or that they were hurt by something. Um, And I found that kind of when you start off on that foot of connection, the other person tends to follow too. And it can kind of lead to a conversation unraveling in that way. That's more like less about like, this is my camp you're in your camp and more about like, we're both kind of hurting in this situation and what, what can we do? Um, I've also, you know, had, and I think like many people, as you grow relationships come to an end, (laughs) um, you know, whether those are family relationships or friendships or, you know, whatever. And I think how I looked at it, um, because again, that can be an emotional experience, which can make it feel more difficult to decide what to do. I kind of step back and I'm like, okay, what, what data have I collected from this person? (laughs) You know, like in the past, have they shown me that they're willing to listen to me when I bring up something tough or are they kind of dismissive and defensive Mm -hmm. or, you know, how have I seen them respond to other people? Just kind of, I hate to make it so dry and technical, but I think sometimes when we zoom out like that, it can give us this kind of meta perspective that we don't have when we're really entrenched in a situation. And I think when you've reached that point, um, and you have, you know, some evidence that you've collected, you know, that this might, is this person likely to change or is the situation likely to be different? And if the signs are pointing to no, you can either decide to try it one more time. Um, or you can decide, you know, to kind of bless and release and, Um, so I I think that's kind of my process for how I handled those things. Those are always hard. 
That's so insightful. I think we're really wired to kind of hang on to things, especially if there was a lot of like meaningfulness or connection at one point, it feels really hard to look at it in the current state and be willing to do that. Bless yeah. and release. I love that. It's <laughs> very good. Um, you know, one of the things that, that kind of stood out to me as we were coming out of the webinar was kind of thinking about, you know, as we're switching this, the lens from workplace to personal, like some of those things that are present in a workplace that might not be present elsewhere that don't really transcend our lives. And so thinking about, um, you know, like some of the behavioral expectations that are present in a workplace conflict, which are like professionalism and composure. And like, there's sort of this expectation that you have to maintain, um, you know, a certain way about you. And that while a lot of those are probably values based for people, they might not necessarily transcend or they might not be, you know, as, um, expected outside of work. Um, and then also this idea that in the workplace, you know, you're sort of, um, you can't really choose to end those relationships necessarily. Like in the way that you were just talking about, Tiffany, I, if I if I feel sort of ready to exit that relationship, it might it presents some other logistical things, you know. So um, so thinking about just like how the stakes are different in in um, you know outside of work, and whether that be you know for better or worse. But just curious to hear your thoughts on on that. So that how the stakes kind of differ in your personal life, and how conflict can sort of look and feel different. Um, because some of those dynamics are, are just, just different. Oh, I, this just resonates with me so hard. I, I think I really, um, loved organizational development and HR and all of these things, because it is great to have that structure, um, and those norms, <laughs> um, and our personal lives and situations, can sometimes feel like they have so many more variables and power dynamics like you're talking to. Um, and suddenly that can start to feel a lot squishier. <laughs> um, so I think in those situations, um, I think looking for ways to create structure that you need is really important. And I think one of the lessons I learned as an adult um, was like, what is a boundary truly? I think I grew up thinking that a boundary is telling somebody what they can't do. Yeah. And in reality, um, a, a boundary is um, laying down and explaining to somebody what you're going to do and inviting them to meet you there. Mm -hmm. um, so being clear about your response um, and, and making sure that they understand that. And that was so liberating for me because it's like, you know, suddenly it's like, I don't have to really worry about their response because I've already made it really clear, you know, how I'm going to respond in that situation. Um, and it just kind of, it, it gave me the structure and the security. I think I needed to handle situations that otherwise felt like they were kind of out of control. Like this person is texting me all the time with you know, complaining and it's like draining me. <laughs> so setting a boundary of like, you know, I, I can either be here if you need to vent, I can help you come up with a solution, but if it's not either of those things, then I'm not going to be able to respond to the message mm -hmm. and just having that be something that you can kind of be clear and say, and, and that's kind and fair to the other person too, because especially in personal relationships, a lot of these are operating on patterns that we established a really long time ago. <laughs> and it can be so hard to see um, maybe some of those programmed responses showing up in ways that 
that are, you know, stressing somebody out or causing harm in a relationship that we absolutely do not intend to be the case. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of like that gives the person setting the boundary, the control to, you know, deal with their own boundary. It gives them control over their boundary versus giving the control to someone else over their personal boundaries. I've never heard it described like that before. So that honestly, that clicked just for me in my brain right now too. Like, (laughs) wow, like I need to start thinking about it like that. That's yeah. Yeah. And that's an opportunity. It's like, again, you know, we get feedback in the workplace, but we don't always get feedback in our, in how we're interacting in community with friends. So this like setting a boundary, if someone sort of sets one to you, you're sort of, that's a little bit of a mirror for you to look into and say, okay, here's, here's what they're experiencing of me. And that is feedback and that can like help them in other relationships too. So that's really, that's really powerful. Okay, so we have to take a moment to properly thank our Living Leadership Platinum presenting sponsors, Integris Architecture and SDCU. A longstanding contributor to Spokane's built environment, Integris Architecture designs buildings that shape the public realm, including schools, libraries, and popular civic spaces like the Podium and the Hive. After recently coming together with YGH Architecture, Integris now has offices in Spokane, Seattle, and Portland, where they continue to extend their impact throughout the Pacific Northwest building better communities and supporting environmental and social justice in our work and office cultures. STCU is also a platinum sponsor of the Living Leadership Series. At community organizations throughout the Inland Northwest, STCU employees are leading with intentionality and purpose. They are supported by Spokane-based credit union that provides time off for volunteerism, abundant leadership development opportunities, and tuition reimbursement as a part of a generous benefits package. To learn more about joining a team that's here for good, visit stcu.org. But I think your initial question was, um, you know, kind of about how the power dynamics play out in our personal lives. And for me, that's one thing I do sometimes struggle with in terms of navigating for lots of reasons, because of the cultural norms that come along with that, because of sometimes like familial relationships. You know, when Tiffany and I were initially chatting about this, I was telling her about a grandmother, my grandmother who's now passed. But, you know, she had a way of like lovingly making fun of you hitting you in the, the softest spot, you know, so figuring out how do you navigate that? Uh, well, it's like, well, grandma, I can't just go off on you like <laughs> with a sibling or something like that. You know, how do I navigate this? So those are really important things. Um, I have so many thoughts running through my head. I'm having a hard time. <laughs> all out um but yeah no so they they play a big role and I don't know that I figured out the way to navigate through um dissecting each of those relationships oh you were talking about feedback Kelsey and one thing I wanted to add about feedback is that what I've done in my personal life from time to time is like seek feedback mainly because I have a desire to be a you know a healthy person in the relationships that I'm in so whether that's with my husband or with my parents or my siblings I want to do that so occasionally I have been known to send really weird text messages to people like I love you and you know what is something you love about me or whatever I love these things about you or I once asked my mom I hit her with this and I could tell it was like a rock to her because she was like what I was like am I a good daughter and if so how and she was like what <laughs> what am I supposed to say to that who is this <laughs> exactly but like my goal was like how am I 
communicating with you. Can I do something different? And I talked to her when she called me and was like, what do you mean? Because I sent it in text initially. <laughs> when she called me and, you know, asked me about it, I was like, I just want to know, like, am I communicating well right now? And it was when we were going through something challenging as a family, right? So everybody's in kind of a high press moment. But I'm like, I want to check in because, you know, you get that kind of feedback in the workplace sometimes, whether you ask for it or not. Um, but you don't in your personal life. And I wanted to try to create that avenue for myself so that I could know to make some pivots because I also know my family dynamic is to not necessarily explicitly always talk about those things especially the ones that are most challenging or troubling so I felt like let me just create the space like I don't know unless I ask you know so I got something I love that that's like that's bringing up for me how sometimes good practices that we have at work, they actually can be applied to to personal lives. Like one of my favorite things to advise managers to do is just kind of have this like decoding conversation when you first bring somebody new onto your team of like, how do you like to be communicated with? Like, let's just make all of the implicit things super explicit in our working relationship together. Mm -hmm. One time I had, um, this colleague, I was having that conversation with her when she started on my team. And she let me know that the culture that she came from, it was really, really difficult for her to bring up anything that sounded like she was criticizing somebody that would be an elder. And she said, you know, just let you know, in this dynamic, that's how I would perceive you. So what you can do is, um, you know, if you just want to make an effort to ask me my opinion, because sometimes I might be hesitant to to just offer that as much as, you know, I'd want to. And I was like, great. (laughs) So yeah, that's super easy to do. Let's do it. And, um, I've noticed that in some of my healthiest relationships, we've done some of those things too, where it's like with my husband, I'll, I'll be like, just so you know, I'm not upset with you or, or anything that's going on. I'm just like having one of those days. So if you see me being kind of shut down or, you know, if I'm just like vegging on the couch, it has, you know, that's all it's about. No need to worry about it. Um, and other friendships, just making the time to be like, you know, I had a really (laughs) tricky conversation today and here's what I really need after that. You're kind of exchanging information that will help you be there and care for people and being kind of proactive at offering that up. Um, so I love, I love that. Kamisha, I, I think that that's like, I hadn't quite put that together until now, but (laughs) that's something that has been a foundation of, I think all my strongest relationships are really proactive like that. Mm -hmm. So much, so much self-awareness too. And then being able to kind of invite others in. That's so helpful. Um, one of the things that we, Kamisha, you shared an example of a student, um, that a student experience that sort of, um, there was kind of a, a heated engagement or a heated situation. Right. And, and it, and it was during, it was kind of in a public setting or group setting where that situation was then impacting quite a few others around. And so thinking about other situations like that, where there's almost this necessity to, to de-escalate before you're actually having a conversation about it, like knowing that whatever's happening cannot be addressed in that moment, whether it just be for how heated someone might be or because it's in a group setting. But, um, you know, thinking about that, this with our, with our families or our friends, I think there's a lot of passion and a lot of emotion and a lot of history in those relationships. And so it's easy, I think probably more easy to become kind of emotional or, um, 
you know, in, in situations where there is conflict. And so just thinking about what are strategies for de-escalating maybe for yourself or even for diffusing a situation, like I'm picturing Thanksgiving dinner, which I know is really, really kind of status quo, but that is like where conflict happens in my family. So, um, you know, I'm thinking about that and I'm like, how do we diffuse the situation when this person inevitably, inevitably brings up this topic? So, um, yeah, just kind of strategies for that for yourself. And then for, if you're just kind of witnessing or part of an experience where things are kind of becoming intense or heated. You know, with the family situations, I always try to think about whether we're creating a safe space for a person to kind of vent in a safe environment or whether it, you know, the outbursts or whatever is happening, the emotion that's being shown is moving too far. So, you know, I'm, I'm always keeping my ear kind of to the environment and the setting to try to feel out my family member, my loved one. And, and when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about people who are close to me, right? My siblings, my nuclear family, maybe friends that I feel like are there for lots of years, my husband, you know, those types of relationships. I want them to feel safe enough to let whatever out that they need but if it becomes to a point where it is damaging to me or to the people that are in my space I feel like then I also have an obligation to help them realize right because you know when you are close to people sometimes you don't even realize that you are being damaging in that moment and so sometimes there's a need to say hold on stop you know wait let's just take a pause breathe for a second you know check everybody else in the room how's everybody feeling we okay right now because I know that that can be a lot and I have I hope my my dad is listening because he's a very passionate person. I love him to death, but he can be really passionate and get lost sometimes in that passion. And it can feel like, you know, being a house full of women that could feel at times like he's barking. We don't know what's happening, you know, <laughs> make it the wrong way. Right. So sometimes I'm going to check in and be like, hold on, wait, you know, where is this pointed? Right. And then you can kind of figure out what's the source. And sometimes if it's the people in the room, then we all might just need a pause. Let's pause. Usually with family, I'm saying, let's take a break. <laughs> dessert time. Let's go outside. Let's look at the football game. Let's do something different to kind of shake things up. So those are some initial thoughts. Well, I feel like you have a talent for that because during the webinar, you also talked a little bit about when you took a pause after that conversation in the room when the student had a little bit of an outburst and then you took a pause and you went to the bathroom and you took some time for yourself. And so this is like the second time I'm hearing you talk about this, but I want to chat about something that you said during the webinar. You said that you went to the bathroom and collected your thoughts. And one thing that you started to think about was what similarities you had between you and that student. And I was like, so impressed by that because I'm like, who in that situation goes and like starts to think about what they have in common with that person? Like that is like such a healthy way. And it's like so proactive, you know, to like go into a conversation with that sort of mindset. So um, I just thought that was so cool and something that we can maybe talk about for a minute, because I feel like when you're going into any sort of conflict argument situation, like if you, like, even in the moment, you can just think to yourself, like, what is like one thing that I have in common with the person in front of me right now? And like, how can I make that a part of this conversation? Like, I bet 10 out of 10 times it will help the conversation go in a more productive way than if you didn't bring that up. So anyways, I just want to touch on that. I thought that was just a really cool way to think about it. it. Common ground can lead to common meaning. That's all well, I have. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Well, um, maybe we can switch gears just a little bit. Um, something else that I wanted to talk about with you two is how we deal with conflict as individuals and how that can manifest at a larger level and affect other people around you and affect your community. The, when I started thinking about this, the first thing that I thought about was social media and how, especially like in the last few years, like there's been a lot of people who express their thoughts on social media without really thinking of the impact it can have. And I think that that can also be true in all sorts of situations when you're addressing conflict, whether it be at the dinner table with your family or with a group of friends, or, you know, you just might not be thinking about everybody in the room and how everybody might be taking what you're saying and how you're addressing that conflict. So I wanted to ask both of you, you know, just what do you think about this aspect of how we address conflict as individuals and how that can manifest at such a larger level? And how can people start thinking about that with, you know, a little bit more clarity as they're in those situations? What a great question. <laughs> um, this one is, is fascinating to me. Um, and I think that one of the key components here is really recognizing whether we're operating from an emotion place where our emotions are kind of driving the bus or whether we have kind of a strategic outcome that we're trying to achieve. And I think I've, through a lot of practice, really gotten to the point where if I'm having a very strong emotion, that's your body flagging you down and being like, Hey, 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 <laughs> pay attention to this pause yeah. for a second. Where's this coming from mm -hmm. is beautiful that our bodies do that for us. And so seeing emotions as a helpful response, um, where our bodies are trying to help us and guide us and flag something important for us, um, and practicing paying attention to that, I think is really important. Yeah. And then I think from there, just getting really clear on what you're trying to achieve. Um, I think social media callouts have a place. Like if you have tried to surface something and you've been rejected or you're facing incredible amounts of oppression and there's no true avenue for you to get justice or be heard, or you've tried other means, mm -hmm. that might be a place that's an appropriate situation at that point. Um, but I think many times I found that when I have a strong response to something, um, it's triggering something that maybe is an area where I don't feel that comfortable. It really doesn't have a lot to do with the other person. Um, or it's um, an area that like, I just, I need to pay more attention to in some way um, and handle with somebody offline. I think at the end of the day, people usually, I think in almost every case are going to respond better to that kind of compassionate opportunity for connection of being like, Hey, I'm reaching out. Cause I just want to let you know how this landed with me. And I'm wondering if, you know, maybe you could think about doing this differently in the future. That's going to go over better, um, in a lot of cases than, you know, putting somebody on blast, but mm -hmm. I'm always, I think that's, this is an evolving thing too. <laughs> and I think mm -hmm. I'm always, um, really open to hearing from people that have experienced situations like that differently or experiences that I haven't and how they rationalized their choices in those moments. I think it's important to pay attention to that too. Yeah, yeah definitely. 
This is a really powerful question. Um, and I was thinking about it today after our conversation as well about particularly your theme around building better communities and how these skill sets aid that goal, right, to move in that direction. I have been a person who have who seems to think about my place in the world as being able to control all that I can control to move forward the ideals that I think are important and meaningful in this this world. And so social media becomes really important when you think about that because it has been a, I think, a valid tool to Tiffany's point, right? A valid tool that has been used in our society, but also has been really destructive in ways. I won't lie, I've had my moments where, you know, particularly thinking about 2020 time frame, where there were moments where I was like, okay, I feel really driven to say something and I just want to let it out. And I've stopped myself each time in the social media space. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. Sometimes I still think maybe I should put it out there, right? But I've stopped myself because there's not enough time in 140 characters or whatever space that Facebook gives you in the bandwidth that people are going to utilize to really truly dissect some of the complex, most complicated issues that our society faces. And so for me, that's not my tool. Like I want to, you know, are there times that I will reshare something that does seem really powerful or poignant, or I will add to and contribute in different ways, but I haven't yet found a way that I feel like I can fully express the things that I need to express about conflicts in a social media space. So, you know, I think that I do try to be try to be thoughtful and intentional and reflective over myself and figure out how can I leverage that in other spaces. You know, this is one vehicle, but I'll tell you, an hour goes by so fast. Even our conversation earlier, even today's conversation, it's really hard to to dissect. So I choose to use moments that I feel like are more meaningful to have conversations with people that I think I can really um, can hear me and I can hear them to learn and grow in those spaces to put it into play in my personal life, but also into my professional life, uh, because I feel like those will warrant more of my time and energy and have a, a higher yielding impact than adding to sometimes the incessant noise that is the internet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's great. Thinking about what that, that sphere of influence, it's kind of invisible on social media. Like, you know who you're friends with, but it does sort of feel invisible, but really having a better grasp on it with the people in your life. Yeah. Um, well, before we go into a really fun rapid fire, well, what we think are fun rapid fire questions. <laughs> um, just wondering if, if, is there anything, any other kind of words of wisdom or what's words of encouragement that you haven't already been able to share, which we have gotten plenty, but if there's anything else you want to share, you think it's important for our listeners to hear, I um, just want to open it up for that. I think for me, it's just kind of what you led with, Emily, which is just that to continue to grow and build on this. When Tiffany and I were, you know, thinking about what we were going to, how we were going to present this broad topic, I just shared with her, I am still a student and still learning and still growing in, in each of my interactions. So, you know, we've said this, but I'd say it again, continuing to be open to learning and I will continue to learn. Hopefully I'll live to 100. <laughs> I'll continue trying to figure out how to make those those interactions better. Yeah, I would agree with that. Just embracing this as a normal part of life. And then also just recognizing that 
I think humility and empathy are your best friends <laughs> when working through stuff like this. And I think sometimes leaders can shy away from that because there's this concern that it might embolden people if you, you know, are like, yeah, I do see how that hurts you. And then they're like, yeah, it really hurt me, but <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I haven't found that to be the case. What it does is it validates that person's experience. And that's the place that you both have to be at in order for conflict to be that restorative, like helpful process that it's capable of being. Well, thank you both so much for all of the wisdom that you have blessed us with today. I truly feel like we have gotten to, um, just be flies on the wall for a really amazing conversation. So I'm super thankful to hear from both of you. And um, we're going to end with something hopefully fun for you. <laughs> but feedback. Just... Tell us if this is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> You're, yeah, this, this is like the first time we're doing it. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're calling it this or that. And it's just a way to end in a fun way to get to know you. And so the audience can get to know you a little bit too. So you you can answer at the same time as each other if you want, because it's literally just going to be this or that. I'm going to throw some things at you and you have to do it like as fast as you can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only yeah. rule. Okay. Cats or dogs? Dogs. <laughs> Ooh. This is why we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Salsa or guac? Salsa. Walk. <laughs> Early Walk. bird or night owl? Early bird. Oh, I wish just average middle of the day person was an option. But <laughs> afternoon sparrow. Yes. <laughs> okay, coffee or tea? Coffee. Tea. <laughs> Summer or winter? Um, uh, Summer. In Texas or in Washington? Oh, in Washington. <laughs> Summer in Washington for okay. sure. Winter in Texas, they're the same. <laughs> yeah, I, I do love summer. It's a happy time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, what about work from home or work in the office? From home. Yeah, home is where it's at. That's it. Okay, last one. Fame or fortune? Fortune. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that one. Neither. <laughs> so humble. <laughs> okay. And then the last question is a little bit, it's not a this or a that, but we just want to end by you letting us know what is making you feel the most energized right now, just in life. I'd say intentional conversations in this space. I've been lucky to have them with students and colleagues recently that really just filled my cup um, and then with friends. And I know that they're going to continue as we, as I go on through the day. So intentional conversations. I don't mean to copy you, but like, I really do. <laughs> I really do just get, um, yeah, my cup gets really full from stuff like this because it's, so exciting to talk about things that can have such a powerful and immediate impact on our lives, um, both personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Dogs also. There's <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> Dogs doesn't make me feel better. 
<laughs> okay, good. Thank you for that. That's perfect. <laughs> um, okay, well, I think that we're, it's just about time to wrap things up for today. So thank you both so much for kicking off our series with us today, for being two amazing people to have this um, first podcast recording with of our season two of Living Leadership. And we're just so thankful to have you both here. Um, and before we wrap things up, I just want to give a quick shout out to what's coming next for us. So um, on November 9th from 12 to 1 p.m. PST, you can catch our next live webinar. We're going to be talking about intergenerational collaboration, strategies for relationship building, and we'll be joined by Rebecca Larson and Devin Smith. And um, we'll also be doing a follow-up podcast to that episode, and that will air the following week. So stay tuned for that. You can catch all of the recordings and the link to our spot our podcast on Spotify, all of the above on our website, gonzaga.edu slash webinars. Thank you again so much, Tiffany and Kamisha. Such Thank a pleasure to have you. Yes, so grateful for you both. This was Thank so fun you. to be a part of. Thank so you. Fun. It was a blast. <laughs> <laughs>